quickly say something controversial. Hello and welcome back to the Pint of Politics podcast. This is episode uh, number 18 um, and we're joined uh, today by another guest. Um, and this time it is uh, Andrew Cooper, who is uh, a councillor in Kirklees, but is also running for the uh, mayoral election in West Yorkshire on behalf of the Green Party, the first ever uh, election for, for West Yorkshire mayor. Um, so uh, I'm delighted to have you join us today, Andrew. How are you? Uh, great. Lovely sunny day. I'm going to be going out leafleting a bit later on, so uh, I'll enjoy that. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, yeah, keeping you busy, I imagine, the, the campaign, no? Yeah, and and the really great thing is that uh, people, uh, I guess, with everything that's gone on, are really keen to talk in the gardens, and uh, there's lots of really good conversations uh, that are having. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. What are the main sort of issues that are being brought up in your in your meetings with people in your conversations? Uh, people coming out of the pandemic uh, are, are wondering what the future is going to be like. Um, they're wondering whether it's going to be like the past or, or whether things are going to be different or, or better. Uh, and so um, it is one of those strange experiences where you think that we've gone through some sort of transition uh, and, and people are just wondering what the new world's going to be like. Yeah, no, definitely. It's like you say, it's an uncertain time, um, I think. And people are definitely, um, people are definitely, yeah, that's a big, a big issue for people, uh, I perceive to be. And um, I, uh, I read that in some of your, uh, there's an article uh, that I read on, I think it was Yorkshire Live, um, some of the comments you, you made about just the sort of general political climate. And you mentioned, um, you know, the impact that the pandemic could have had on people's voting behaviour. Uh, what do you perceive that impact could be? I think what people often find is that when they come out of things like wars or they come out of big traumatic events, people look around a lot more and think more about the future. They look at, um, they look at the world as was. They, uh, sometimes there's an amount of dissatisfaction with the world that as was, and they, they're more likely, I think, to, to look outside the norm, to actually think about uh, what really matters. And um, and I think that's you know from obviously from my perspective, uh, that's 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 fertile territory for the Green Party. Yeah, definitely. So, do you? I mean, obviously, you perceive the Green Party has something to offer in that in that sense. And uh, obviously, with it being the first ever uh, election for for West Yorkshire mayor, never had a mayor for for West Yorkshire before, um, or elected mayor. Um, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Do you sort of perceive it's sort of uh, anyone's game in that sense? Because obviously, like you say, it's never, we, we don't have any previous indicators for voting behaviour uh, across the whole region. You can look at individual local areas, but uh, is it very much a sort of, you know, this is really anyone's game, anyone can uh, anyone can win? Well, when, when people are electing a government, uh, that they, you know, one of the reasons we, we never get, uh, too many MPs is because people think they're voting for a government. Uh, and so um, obviously the Green Party's got a long way to go before that becomes a possibility. Well, we're not electing a government here, are we? No. Uh, uh, for the local elections, the Green Party's strong in a lot of places in West Yorkshire. Um, we've got uh, councillors in Kirklees, we've got councillors in uh, Leeds, we've got councillors in, in Calderdale. Well, we will have councillors in Calderdale, I'm sure, in, in a week or two. Yeah. In Bradford, and so you know we've got uh, we've got a strong local government base um, around and about, so that that helps us. Um, uh, and so 
it's um, it's exciting times, uh, and um, we found in other mayoral elections where they've had uh, we've had places like um, I think it was Hartlepool. Uh, they had an independent mayor. They've had independent mayors in in other places who are not from the normal party. So it shows that people are quite prepared to um, to break from their normal behaviour, uh, like voting behaviour. Do you uh, think? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely right. Like you say, the the national voting, government voting uh, for Westminster does tend to well. Obviously, we know uh, benefits the 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 Conservatives and Labour quite disproportionately as a result of the electoral system. Do you perceive that's ever, uh, you, you sort of mentioned it briefly, but do you think perceive that's ever going to be something that's going to change in the future? Do you think, you know, do you see a future where, uh, obviously it probably relies on the voting system being changed, but do you see a future where the Green Party, um, you know, extend their influence beyond the, uh, obviously, one seat which which you hold in, in Brighton Pavilion? And I know you're not... Um, you're not involved in national, uh, you know, party as much. Um, but obviously, um, you know, how do you perceive that's going to, uh, that can change if ever? Um, there's, there's a few, a few thoughts there. I mean, I, 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 I stand in first past the post elections for my local council and, uh, we, in the, in the ward I represent, we've got 63% last time. So, you know, we can win in first past the post elections. It's really about whether people feel they can elect, if, if people feel they can elect a Green and that it's a possibility that they can achieve, then it, it's just overcoming that crisis of belief. Once you overcome that, once you've established, established that it is possible, then uh, even a first past the post system doesn't stop you. Look at the Scottish National Party in, um, in, in Scotland. Uh, they, they were once a quite a small party who got beyond that, and now they're the, they're the majority party in, in Scotland. So it doesn't necessarily require a change of the electoral system to to make these things happen. And in other countries where they have first past the post systems, uh, the Green Party has done well in those other countries, and we're looking at them, we're talking to them, we're we're learning from uh, places like Canada and uh, where they've uh, where the Greens have done quite well there. So. It's not impossible. Um, uh, it's difficult, but it's not impossible. Because it'd be great to change the electoral system, because it is is absolutely um, criminal, in my in my opinion, that somehow or other, uh, a party with a major- minority of votes, it hasn't got a majority of votes. It's got it's got less than fifty percent of the votes. It's got a hundred percent of the power. And what does that say about our democracy? It's appalling that the majority of people are dictated to by a minority. Which is a, so it's not necessarily about being fair to the parties. It's about being fair to the people and, and, and for their votes. And, and I, I, I cannot understand how it is even tolerated in this country. It is scandalously awful. Uh, and we're like some strange banana republic that somehow or other lets us I try not to use the word corrupt system, carry on. No, yeah, I think you're, um, I, I happen to agree with you there. I'm not a massive fan of uh, uh, first past the post either. Uh, and like you say, I do think it, it does leave a sort of uh, glaring vacuum in terms of uh, democracy, which we claim to, uh, you know, uphold and, and you know, be, be proud advocates of. Um, but obviously... 
party still support the first president? I know. Well, it's because it benefits them, isn't it, really? That's the, I think that's probably the crux of the, the reason why they're, they're never going to go against it is, you know, the big parties. And, and so maybe it's a bit of an uphill battle. Do you then maybe think that uh, the sort of demand for electoral change, if it's not going to come from the two main parties, which I highly doubt it will personally, do you think that really needs to come from... Uh, you know, a grassroots level from the people? Uh, and, you know, do you do you think that there is perhaps a, a, a want uh, that can be stoked up among people to, you know, because a lot of people just tend to support the status quo. Um, so do you think that there's ever going to be a time where you, you can get this sort of mass mobilisation behind a movement that, that supports the changing of the electoral system? I think it's, I think it's got to be something which... I mean, I, I look at the you know, votes for women. You know, it's hundred years ago now, isn't it? Uh, when when the, uh, the, fir- the first tranche of women—not all women, but the first tranche of women—got the right to vote, and that was built upon protest. Um, it was built upon breaking the law, um, and of course, we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of um, anger, if you like, about uh, protest um, earlier on. So I. I, I you know, the, the, a strong part of me hopes against hopes. I mean, I'm, I'm terribly optimistic that, um, uh, and, and foolishly optimistic at times, I think, that, uh, that, that government will see sense and the Labour Party will see sense and go, this is an intolerable situation, you know, and, and provides us with these awful conservative governments which uh, which do um, total damage and protect their own interests. Um, Optimism, things yeah. Change. Things have got to change, uh, and uh, and uh, I think I look at this and think, you know, they, are they, are they leaving us in a position whereby um, where, whereby the the only option that's open to people is is uh, civil disobedience. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, that's that's yeah, kind of what I was getting at. And I think, yeah, like you say, that is the main driver of change in some instances. You, you cited the the women to vote thing. Um, staying on the topic of voting, uh, I guess, uh, moving away from the sort of uh, electoral system stuff. Uh, young people, especially, are notorious for not turning out to vote uh, as much as they should do. Um, I'm. 19 years old myself so i've only had one general election to vote in which was the the 2019 one i had the european parliament elections that year as well so uh, but i'm a politics student so i'm i'm naturally in you know motivated to vote because i think it's an important issue anyway i don't need to be convinced of of that but i think other people might need convincing of it and you know i think personally i think from uh from a perspective of of the Green Party, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you know the young vote is a really could be a really key demographic um, to target because I think you know climate change issues are uh, especially they should appeal to everyone, no doubt about it. But I think especially appeal to to younger people. So uh, obviously, with this election coming up, uh, has there been any sort of emphasis on you uh, in your campaign efforts trying to to mobilise these young people? And what do you think needs to be done uh, in order to incentivise that? Um, so certainly, all parties are talking about climate change um, in this election. It's really interesting, even the Conservatives. And I could point to any number of things uh, that the Conservatives are doing, which, which rather sort of like, well, actually, you, you're not really uh, walking the walk here. So climate change is a big issue. Uh, and I think for the Green Party, I think w- what we've um, really got to do uh, is hold others to account as part of our role to, on, on climate change to, to make sure that, um, that it is not just warm words. 
And from a perspective of young people, I think young people are going to want to see us as being the people who put the challenge in. The Green Party were the ones who brought climate change to everyone's attention, um, along with the, the wider green movement back in the 70s. Uh, and uh, eventually, 20 odd years later, we were listened to. Now we've got to do the same thing with solutions. And of course, young people have got a much greater stake in the future by the very, by the very nature of being young. You've got X number of years ahead. And so where, you know, where somebody, somebody talks to me about 2050, 2060, um, I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, hope I'll still be around. But young people definitely will be around. That is their world. Uh, and, and a world which is two, three, four, five degrees more uh, in temperature, global temperature, with all the variations which happen in between, is um, doesn't bear thinking about actually. If you look at um, if you look at the implications of that and what what it, what it, what it means, so so yes, that they do. And in terms of mobilising young people, um, I, I, we have particular difficulties at the moment because a lot of young people uh, are, if you like, not necessarily where where we expect them to be. A lot of students have gone home and, uh, and, and are. are learning from home so so if you try to target student population very very difficult because they're not necessarily where you'd expect them to be in student halls in the in the houses where you know that you know students are generally in so that's made life a bit doubly difficult so social media has to be the place we go a lot of the time to, to push and the greens are pretty good at uh, pushing social media and making sure that messages get across in in that way um, and we, um, we we dedicate quite a lot of time to that, as well as the underground politics, which is vital to to get to, to get our councils elected. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, it's uh, yeah. I, I I didn't really think about how, how hard it would be in that sense to you know target students in their specific area because, like you say, it's uh, in the current situation. It's um, you know a lot of people aren't where you'd expect to be. Um, but yeah, no social media. I think is definitely the uh, quite a powerful tool. I think now uh, of, of political mobilisation and getting a message across. Um, so so yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, you know impact that has. Um, hopefully, a positive one for for yourself. Um, but um, yeah, I, you know, I noted as well one of your, uh, your comments. You said that people are looking um, for the positive things in politics. You, you, you obviously noted that it's been quite a toxic political atmosphere, quite a toxic environment in recent years. We've had Brexit, and obviously over the last year, um, we've had you know this pandemic, which has put our lives on hold, and it's really uh, been a pretty bleak time for for a lot of people. What do you perceive the positive issues to be uh, in politics, and how do you think you can communicate those to voters? Well, I, uh, and this is, in some ways, this is a, it could be a bit of a problem for the Green Party because because uh, the, there is this thing about the Green Party talking about the environment being doom-mongers, uh, you know, uh, and uh, and so I, I, I really want to flip that uh, and actually talk about the things, the, the opportunities that actually tackling climate change provides because I, I think that when we're talking about not just saving the world, creating a better world uh, that's where the inspiration lies you know imagine imagine a world which doesn't have loads of traffic and cars and, and things polluting the atmosphere imagine a world where people live in 15 minute neighborhoods where most of the things they need are around them um, you know imagine imagine a world where most of your food and everything is produced locally uh, and um, 
and and where most shops and places are, are, are locally owned, locally managed, where people have got a home, which is well insulated, which has very um, easy to heat and cheap, uh, and um, uh, you know means that you've got more money in your pocket to be able to to, to be able to live your life without without um, without breaking breaking the bank and having to worry. So that sort of vision of, of the future is, is one that we've got to try and find ways of realizing uh, and, uh, and show people how it is possible, how it can be achieved and coming up with the policies which provide that. Getting back to normal is frankly crap. You know, we, normal, normal wasn't good. Normal was, was awful. Uh, and so um, we, we don't want to get back to normal. We want to get back to, or get, go, get, to better or you know build back better hmm. yeah maybe don't use that slogan but oh, really? uh, yeah. <laughs> i think of something better on the hoof yeah, definitely. No, I think it's an important uh, point to make as well, actually, because obviously the, the pandemic, as we've mentioned already, has um, actually had quite a positive impact on the environment uh, in, in the in the year, obviously quite uh, for quite obvious reasons, you know, less people going to work, less people using cars, less people traveling, air travel, things like that. Um so that, do you think potentially that the pandemic has actually increased maybe awareness of how easy it can be? So I'm, I'm obviously not advocating for, you know, a, a lockdown to co- control the environment. Absolutely not. Um, but do you think it's, you know, raised awareness more so of, of how easy it can be to actually, uh, well, not easy, but how we can actually manage the environment and do things a lot better than we currently are uh, in, in relation to, you know, our daily lives even and on an individual level? Look at us now, Connor. We're we're, we're talking um, on a on a Zoom meeting, doing a podcast. Now, I've done podcasts where I've I've travelled to North Yorkshire in my car to go in the same room as another person to 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 carry out a podcast. It's taken me two hours to get there. It's taken me two hours to get back. Um, I enjoyed the social interaction of actually being with somebody in the same room and uh, and and uh, all the banter associated with it. But we can do this. It, it's it's not an issue. It's not a problem. Uh, and and hours of my life are, are given back. And so, so I think that that Zoom will not uh, immediately collapse as soon as restrictions are over. I think people are going to go. You know what? This works. Yes. And, and so, and so, do I want to get everybody together? Let's get everybody together on Zoom. Uh, without without the travel issues associated with that, and and I think you know good organisations will be ones which which say we'll mix it up a bit, we'll we'll definitely we'll carry on with the Zoom to a large extent, but every now and again we'll get people together, and uh, you know we might have a we might share a bit of food, we might spend a bit of time. There'll be opportunities to interact um, in a more relaxed manner. So those sort of things are, are, are going to remain. Also, uh, I think people are going to be a wee bit wary about um, uh, about travelling as much anyway and going to and from places, and um, that that's going to continue for a lot of people, particularly people who feel vulnerable during uh, the pandemic. So that that we will have to see how travel patterns settle down and shopping again. We've um, you know there's there's been a, a 10, 20 year leap in terms of what was you know the, what the, our shopping habits now have probably just changed irre- irrevocably 
And so to me, that has an impact on our town centres. So our town centres should be more about locally owned, locally managed businesses, which have got distinctive products, which, um, which, uh, are, which mean give people more a sense of place uh, and, and a less yeah, your uniform high street multiples, um, which, which take character away from town centres. Uh, and so the, that reimagining our town centres as, uh, as places for those sort of things, reimagining our town centres for uh, less for retail and more for leisure, uh, and places families can go. I want to see much more play areas in town centres so, so people don't think, oh, I'm going to town shopping. I'm going to town because um, my kids have got a great play area where they can go. I can go and get some food. I can talk to my friends. It's a great place to be. We need to reimagine um, things in that way. So there's loads of change which can happen, and good change if we're imaginative about it. Yeah, definitely. I think the on on the point of like um, sort of town centres and things. I think it's definitely maybe a, a modern uh, a sort of modern issue in that sense because I'm from originally I'm from Milton Keynes, which is. Um, just outside London, well, not just outside London, but near enough. Um, that's where I'll tell everyone where it's where it is, because no one ever knows. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it, and that's like like you said, it's it's like a we've got a massive shopping centre in the town. It's pretty much just a shopping centre, all big chains, all big like you know sort of franchises of uh, of retail uh, and things like that. And what I quite like about uh, living up here in Leeds is you've got like places like Headingley and things and the High Street there, which is just really nice like independent uh shops you know you've got you know little cafes you know there's the odd uh you know starbucks or whatever but it's largely sort of you like you say locally owned uh things which obviously really um really positive um to, to have i mean have you particularly spoken to any i know it's quite a hard time for for those who own uh small local businesses uh what kind of concerns are you hearing from from those kinds of people well, um, I'm Huddersfield. I'm a Huddersfield councillor, and um, I've been talking to um, a, a lot of the um, hospitality sector, cafes, restaurants, pubs, um, who've had obviously had an on-off period over, over the last year. Um, one of the things we were able to do for them uh, early on, uh, I, I proposed a three-month um, rent holiday for um, for those businesses. Um, which were where, where the council was the landlord, and the other party leaders accepted it. So I was I was dead chuffed about that, um, really, because it, it meant that we were able to do something very positive for, for, for businesses which were on the edge, uh, effectively. And I think we ought to be looking at that again. I think we ought to be looking at um, the provision of uh, outside space um, for for places which don't necessarily have it. So they've got a and within uh, places for us, St George's Square, but there'll be other places and other town and city centres where where we essentially where we essentially say there you go, there's a pop up, uh, there's a pop up area for you to uh, to apply your trade while restrictions uh, are, are there in place. So yeah, these businesses have found it hard, uh, but I think we've got to find ways of reprioritising. Uh, away from multiples and giving space to independence. And some of that is going to be about recognising the fact that money that goes into independence is more likely to be circulated locally within the economy. Give yeah. a pound to Starbucks, the money's gone out of the door. Yeah. Give a pound to an independent coffee shop, that helps pay for 
you know, your kids' ballet lessons or whatever it happens to be that's done by a local person or, or, or pays a local supplier to provide the food that, that, that's required. So that making sure that that um, that's understood and recognised and that you reward locally owned and locally managed businesses in that way. Yeah, no, like you say, it's definitely um, definitely an important important uh, thing, especially at the moment, like with the like hospitality, especially like, as you mentioned with the restrictions they've got. Um, obviously, opening on Monday is so, but yeah, still still going to be a difficult time for them uh, yeah. inevitably. Um, I just sort of wanted to ask uh, as well. Um, obviously, you know, Green Party, uh, Green Party candidate, Green Party member. So, what extent are uh, you sort of alluded to it slightly? But to what extent do you feel like the green agenda is really being listened to, uh, and you know, positive steps are being made uh, in support of it? Um, it's small. The steps are too small, really. Uh, uh, there's loads of examples. The Green Homes Grant that the government did. I looked at it and thought. Oh, actually, you know, this this isn't that bad. Um, you know, the 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 the, the scheme of it's you know it could be it could do some useful things. And I was looking at ways of trying to make it work, trying to make it better, trying to add council funding to it to ensure that it that we we dealt with the gaps that exist in the government scheme. And um, but it was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster with the greenhouse grant. Um, the industry uh, was too small. Uh, because government had cut, um, had cut so much funding in the past that it couldn't respond to the money that, that, that was provided. The, um, the, the administration of the scheme was too centralised and slow, um, which meant that people got very, very frustrated and dropped out of the scheme. And so billions, the couple of billion that was put aside for this scheme uh, has been wasted, and the government have cancelled the scheme. Utter disaster. What a disaster! It could have been done so much better and so much easier um, by 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 investing in training and skills, which enable those industries to grow. By not having just short-term funding and having a, a flow of work, it would have been better to have less funding, but have it over a longer period of time. To uh, I mean, just just to make sure that it worked. But just government just gets it wrong and wrong again and again. And so, yes, there are small steps forward, but. Um, it, it's so obvious that it's easier to, there are, there are better ways of doing it um, and it would be better if it was managed um, sub-regionally, such as at the West Yorkshire level. Uh, we could do a much better job of it uh, and, if, and particularly if it was sustained. So that's a, that's a strong thought. Other, other issues which I find incredibly frustrating, um, I don't know if you're aware of uh, the Queensbury Tunnel. It's an old railway tunnel. Right. Between Halifax and Bradford. No, I'm not aware of it, but yeah. It's, it's blocked up. It's blocked up. And, and loads of cyclists want to open it up. It's one and a half miles long and make it part of a, a cycling route between Bradford and Halifax. Everybody's in favour of it. You won't find anybody, oh, yeah, yeah, I support the Queensbury Tunnel. Yeah, it's great. But despite everybody agreeing with it, Conservatives, Labour, there is no funding. There is no timetable. The things are simply not in place to actually make it happen. All it would really require is the West Yorkshire Transport Fund not funding roads and road expansion and putting its money into this project to make it a reality. And so words are not enough. A political programme is what's required to make good things happen. 
Is that something you'd uh, sort of, not just the, the issue of the, the Queensbury Tunnel, which you mentioned, but just in general, the sort of, if you were to, to be elected and if you were to become West Yorkshire Mayor, are those the sort of key issues? It's obviously, uh, maybe sounds a bit obvious to say you'd be focusing on local issues because it is a local uh, mayor role, but are they the sort of key things that you would uh, would prioritise and what else potentially, if anything, would you uh, put at the top of your top of your agenda? So top of my agenda is something called the, the, the Green Building Fund. Uh, and uh, one of the frustrations I've had on my own local council is that the council has got its own building projects, it builds libraries, it's going to build um, council houses, it's doing a number of building projects. And I've been pushing for them to build to something called a passive house standard, which is, the, is a very high energy efficiency standard that basically means that that uh, the, ha- the, the buildings that you construct uh, use 10% of the energy uh, of a normal, um, a normally constructed house under current building regulations. And people who use these for buildings, the people who live in passive house properties, love them. The heating is never on and they're warm. You know, it's like, it's just great. And people just, and if you look into it, you'll, you can find out a lot more about it. So I've been blocked again and again by uh, the Labour administration who have brought up issues about cost. Um, they've overinflated the cost of Passive House and looked at one-off projects as opposed to a programme of work. So the real cost is about 5% more on top of the capital cost. And uh, I've been met by... Uh, been told that if it costs any more and we have to build one less house, then they won't support it. So on that basis, I've said we will establish the Green Building Fund. And the Green Building Fund would basically um, make up the difference uh, in capital cost from the from the West Yorkshire Centre to those local councils to enable them to build a much higher standard, which would effectively mean that we had our own version of building regulations for West Yorkshire, which would then be a, an example to the rest of the country. It would mean that, be a, that, that the quality of building, the quality of construction would be so much better because it's a quality assured method where you, you test every element of it as you go along, which is what it's cost. But it, uh, that's, that's the thing that would make a difference. So having that, that would be a really tangible difference that, would, uh, that I would bring to, to the whole process. And uh, getting that in place would transform the construction sector in, in West Yorkshire uh, and also have a, a net out knock-on impact in other places. Other key areas of transport, um, I mentioned cycling, but one of the reasons that cycling is so important is that to achieve um, the carbon reductions that we need to, we're going to need to see um, an 8,000% increase in cycling, according to the Carbon Pathways report. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even from a low base, that's a lot. And so things like electric bikes, which make uh, cycling a, an option for more people, things like safe cycle routes, things like opening the Queensbury Tunnel, things like safe cycle storage, are going to be a big vital part of, 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 of making that transformation a, a reality. So you, you've got to utterly transform our transport network and make it uh, a more viable option for more people. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, um, it is a key issue, I think, as well, that 
you know, cycling is, is just such an easy change that you can make in the, in your life um, to really make a difference on a, on a, on a, not a massive you know, national level, but I think if, you know, a lot more people are incentivized to do it as, uh, as you're proposing, um, then yeah, it would ultimately uh, be, be highly beneficial, I think, uh, to, to the overall society. Um, yeah. So obviously some, some really interesting, uh, really good policies uh, there in my view, obviously uh, our listeners are open to their own, uh, their own views, but uh, I think it's hard to argue against uh, wanting you know, to prioritize climate change. I don't, like you said, I think it's an issue that's uh, been focused on by pretty much all parties, focused on it to differing degrees and with differing successes, as you've, as you've mentioned. But I think it's hard to uh, oppose the, the very basic uh, notion that, that we should be doing more to, you know, tackle climate change. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, like I say, it's a good issue. And it's, I'm glad we've, uh, we've brought it to light. Um, I'll just uh, sort of um, wrap up a little bit um, with uh, with a quick question uh, here. Um, so obviously this is the Pint of Politics podcast. So um, obviously it's it's 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, we've not been drinking, but uh, I'll ask you what is your uh, what is your beer of choice uh, if you had to if you had to pick? You're down, down the where you when the pubs reopen on the, on the, on Monday. Uh, you know you're a busy man, I imagine, so you might not have much time. But uh, what would be your your, your go to? So please have asked me that question. Um, well, we're, we're, we're so fortunate in Huntsfield uh, to have so many great independent brewers. In, in the world I represent, there's Mallinson's, uh, Mallinson's Beer, um, who've been getting through the crisis with their bottle shop. Um, and so I've, uh, I've been drinking, um, I've been drinking uh, bottles of Mallinson's Beer, uh, Jester, which is a very, very pleasant beer um, as uh, I've had some of that, plus all sorts of other assorted bottles from there. Uh, and the other place, of course, that we, we got is um, is uh, Magic Rock. Yeah, Magic Rock Brewery, which is uh, is there, which is I think been taken over by Australians now. Oh right. Oh well, you know. Uh, but yeah, they do some. Their their beer is really interesting because some of it is absolutely amazingly lovely and and. Some of the some of the grapefruit beers that they they do um, uh, are, are just uh, yeah really to die for and, and maybe give you a bad head sometimes because it's just yeah <laughs> so Moorish really very pleasant but some of theirs are, are, are a bit more ad, um, adventurous shall yeah. we say. I think to be fair, I think I have actually tried um, one of them on the podcast because normally when we just do normal episodes, we tr- we try and do a different beer, like different IPA sort of. We try and get local breweries. I think I have had uh, one from Magic Rock Brewery. So, and I I do recall it being quite nice. It might well have been one of the grapefruit ones. I'm quite impartial, yeah. quite partial to that. Really nice. Yeah, then the more adventurous ones like Salty Kiss, uh, which is uh, the, the um, I think the, the name gives it away. Um, yeah. But the, the, there's other places. Now, then when pubs open again, the Sarah Inn at Linthway uh, near Huddersfield, which brews its own beer on the premises. Oh, really? Um, uh, just oh, yeah. That's that's the thing about up north. I find as well. Like it's there's so much more, so many more breweries, like nice local independent breweries, like in Leeds. Like near me, we've got uh, like Kirkstall Brewery, which is a really good one. Um, 
and they're just really they just have some absolutely you know really really nice beers um so yeah it's definitely i think it's definitely like more of a sort of a northern culture thing uh you know having nice independent breweries you don't really get that many down south which is disappointing but uh i don't live there so i don't really mind <laughs> there's a lot more than it used to be but um yeah i i i i really, I really um yeah really will be looking forward to, to drinking a wee bit more when uh, it becomes possible yeah definitely it's something to look forward to isn't it so uh if you were if you were to win the uh the west yorkshire uh mayoral election which obviously uh is uh, on the 6th of may so anyone listening who, who doesn't know and obviously lives in west yorkshire um you know try and get out there try and vote register to vote obviously i think the deadline for that is uh 19th of april isn't it to to register uh, uh, i could be wrong not quite sure but uh, just, i think it might be just get straight onto your election your electoral registration office and, and yeah so make sure you make sure you're registered. You should be anyway if you voted in a, in any of the recent elections. Um, but yeah, make sure you're registered and make sure you get out uh, to vote. Um, if you like the sound of what Andrew's proposing, then uh, vote for him. Uh, if, if he's uh, if you're that way inclined, um, if you are to win, Andrew, how will you how will you celebrate? Um, how will I celebrate? Well, beer will undoubtedly be involved. Um, I, I can I can I can honestly claim that. Um, I, I will attempt to be moderate um, in my in in my um, consumption consumption, uh, and uh, on the basis that I, I, I don't want to say anything uh, that I, I would regret later. Um, probably I just smile a lot, uh, which yeah. is probably best. Um, yeah, just so. just relax. I think is probably the main one. Surely it's a pretty long, drawn out process. I'd imagine you just yeah. want to put your feet up. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, um, I've got my local council election campaign as well at the same time. I'm helping other people uh, across Yorkshire uh, with their campaigns. Um, and so, because I've been doing it quite a long time, uh, in a council for 22 years, um, I, 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 I impart some of my, my, uh, the, my campaigning knowledge to others to try and help them. So we're hoping for breakthroughs. So maybe it's not just me celebrating. Maybe it's a lot of my fellow Greens uh, around uh, Yorkshire and the country who can be celebrating um, in the, the days following the election. Definitely. Well, it'd be nice, uh, nice to see that. And um, yeah, thank you very much uh, for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. Obviously, like I said, uh, you know, giving up uh, some of your free time. I imagine, like we said, a very busy, busy period for you at the moment. Um, but yeah, really uh, interesting points to be made. And like I say, uh, West Yorkshire mayoral election and the uh, local council elections as well. They're all on the 6th of May. Uh, I think it's being dubbed Super Thursday in a, in a vain attempt by the media to, to try and, uh, uh, you know, uh, add a bit of America organization to it um but uh but yeah so there you go get out and vote um you know just because it's local if anything that means you can have more of a say uh, in my view because it's uh issues that really affect you so um yeah we go get, on we get a cooper thursday a cuppa thursday cooper, cooper thursday. <laughs> oh cooper thursday oh there you go that's uh that uh, the media should be lapping that one up surely oh, that's really it will be yeah there you go it might well be a cooper thursday um so uh so yeah <laughs> cheers very much thank you very much andrew for uh, for taking your time out really appreciate it um and cheers to our listeners for listening uh, we are uh, at Partner Politics on Twitter and Instagram, um, Partner Politics on Facebook and LinkedIn. We've got a little blog as well, which we which I upload regular articles to uh if that's the kind of thing you're interested in. Thank you very much for listening, uh, and we'll see you again soon. Take care.